This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast today. We're going to start Romans chapter 8. and Paul has just absolutely been hammering on the Jews in this letter to the church at Rome and how they they think they have a right relationship with God just because they're Jews and they, they kind of have their nose in the air, if you will, because they are, after all, God's chosen people. And they think that they have a right relationship or right standing with God just because, you know, that, that old covenant from Genesis chapter 12, way back, way, way, way back in the Old Testament that God made between Abraham and himself. And just because they, you know, remove a piece of skin uh, from their private parts and just because they have the law, they think that they're just, they can do whatever they want to. They can live a life of sin. They had this crazy idea that, uh, it, that they can just, you know, if they sin, God is glorified even more by their sin. And, and Paul just absolutely just shoots that down. And he says, look, the only way that you can have a right relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. Um, he talks about the seriousness of sin in this letter and how sin, it literally separates us from God. And we see that going all the way back to Genesis 2 in the Garden of Eden, how man had a perfect relationship with God. And yet when they partake, when they partook of that fruit and they ate it together, both Eve and Adam, then that sin entered in because they disobeyed God and, and, and the separation came and they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And so Paul talks about all through the book of Romans so far up until we get to chapter 7 or now chapter 8, he, he just talks and hammers about the, serious, the seriousness of sin and how sin separates us from God and how even Paul, the, probably the greatest missionary that's ever been alive, how he himself struggles with sin. And then he brings Jesus into the mix and how Jesus died as our sacrifice so that we could be set free from the bondage of sin. And he even uses the image of slavery and how we are slaves to sin. And, and he says, who's going to deliver me from this, this, this sin, this, this body? And, and, and so he's, he's like, oh, sin has such a grip. It has such a, a hold of me and it's so powerful. And he says, who's going to deliver me from this body of death, this, this sinful, lustful body that just wants to do what is wrong? And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who delivers us from the power of sin. We cannot do it on our own. And that's what he's going to talk about in uh, Romans chapter 8. But before we get into Romans chapter 8, I want to go back to what Paul says at the end of Romans chapter 7 to set us up for chapter 8. And Paul writes this. He says, I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart. And he's talking. he knows what he's talking about because he studied the law. He studied the law under Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee. He knew the law very well. And he says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is war with my mind. 
This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And, and he's talking about while he's a Christian, he is following Jesus. He, he had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He has been filled with the Holy Spirit. He's been going around traveling all over the known world at that time and telling people about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And, and he says, there is another power within me that is at war in, with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me? Who will deliver me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And he says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really wanted to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. And then we go right into chapter eight. And this is what he says in the first four verses of chapter eight. And the first verse is so awesome and so powerful. He says, so, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Let me back up what he said at the end of chapter seven. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who's going to deliver me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So he's saying this sin is so powerful and it dominates us. Who's going to deliver us from the power of sin? He says, Jesus. And he says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You're going to keep sinning even though you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're walking with Jesus. Temptation is going to come, unfortunately, because of our flesh and wanting to gratify the flesh. We're going to give in to those temptations and sin will be birth sin will come forth but we will have an advocate with the father we'll talk more about this in just a minute because i want to i want to read the rest of these verses and we'll talk more about this but he says no now there is no condemnation for those who belong to christ jesus and because you belong to him the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death the law of moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature so god did what the law could not do and so now he's saying, I love the law, but God has done what the law could not do. The law could not save anybody from their sins. It doesn't matter how many, how, how well they kept the law. If they broke one law, they're guilty of breaking all the law. It doesn't matter how many sacrifices they made. It, you know, it, 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 that the blood of those sacrifices could never wash away one sin. It would only cover them. But now, Paul says, Jesus has come. God in the flesh, and he's died on the cross for our sins. And because of the sacrifice that he has made on our behalf, God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the, the just requirement of the law could be set or would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the spirit and that's what he's going to go on to talk about through the rest of chapter eight and we'll break this down over the next few podcasts but i'm going to go back to what paul says here in verse one he says so now there is no condemnation no condemnation for those who belong to christ jesus this statement it has to be one of the greatest statements in the entire Bible. No matter what sin 
we have committed. We have no condemnation from God if we belong to Jesus Christ. If we are washed in the blood of Jesus and we're walking with Jesus on a daily basis and we have this relationship with him, there is no more condemnation to us. The Greek word here is katakrima, and it means that there, there are no more uh, damnatory sentences against us. Because we, because of sin, we were lost, right? We were separated from God, and we're heading on a road that is leading us straight to hell. But if we belong to Christ, that road that we're traveling on now delivers us straight to the throne of God because of the blood that Jesus has shed on the cross and coming out of that tomb victorious on the third day. If we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and we are filled with this Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit is going to lead us straight to the throne of God. Where is the throne of God? It's in heaven where we want to be for eternity. And it's nothing that we have done. It's everything that Jesus has done. The only thing that we have to do is accept the sacrifice, the gift that is freely given. It costs Jesus everything, but it doesn't cost us anything. We just put our selfish uh, desires to the side and say, I want to live for Christ and accept Him as our Lord and Savior, be baptized for the remission of our sins, and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we are on our way to heaven. And we just keep walking with Him on a daily basis, continually dying to ourselves and, and putting on Christ and living for Jesus on a daily basis. And we have access to the throne of God because we have a relationship with the Son of God and the, the blood that Jesus shed washes away our sin. And that gives us, even though we're still sinners, there's no condemnation because we're in Christ. And that gives us direct access to the throne of God. God, even now while we're still alive, we have direct access through prayer to the throne of God through what Jesus has done for us on the cross. It's, it's just, it's, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's just so amazing. It's just so amazing. Paul says there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Now think about that for a second. Who was Paul? Paul at one time was a man named Saul who persecuted the followers of Jesus. He, they, were, they were not called Christians just yet. They were known as people of the way. And he hated Christians. He hated the people who followed Jesus. He was a Pharisee. He was persecuting Christians. He was going from house to house in Acts chapter... He, he was there at the stoning of Stephen, who was the first martyr in Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 8. Saul is going to house to house, pulling men and women out of these homes and taking them to prison where some of them would be tortured, some of them would be killed, persecuted. He's busting up families. He's on his road. He's on his way to Damascus on the Damascus road when he has the encounter with Jesus. He was going to Damascus to grab even more people who followed Jesus and put them in prison to torture them, to, to persecute them. And so Paul was guilty of murder. That's why he says, I, I'm, I'm the chief of sinners. And yet, here is this man who once hated the followers of Jesus and persecuted them, 
watched as Stephen was being stoned, pulled men and women from their homes and put them in prison where they were being tortured because of their faith in Jesus Christ. This man who thought speaking in the name of Jesus was blasphemous is now a follower of Jesus. And he's going all over the known world preaching the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And he knows what he... He exactly knows what he's talking about here when he says, because he lived it. And he says, hey, I was a murderer. I persecuted people who followed Jesus. But you know what? Jesus changed my life. And now that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm following Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. No matter what sin you and I have committed or will commit, if we have died to ourselves, if we've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and we've been dipped in that watery grave that we call baptism and we come up out of that water, a new creation in Christ, we've been filled with the Spirit of God and we're living for Jesus, then we are no longer condemned by God. Think about that for a minute. Just let that soak in just for a minute. I mean, that should give you and me the greatest peace that we've ever known. To know that our sins are forgiven. And no matter what we do, nothing can take that away from us. Unless we decide to walk away. Like decide to quit following Jesus right now. And just start going living for Satan and and just doing what I want to do and, and fulfill the lust of the flesh. But I don't want to make that decision. But this decision of putting on Christ and and being filled with the Holy Spirit and knowing that we have no more condemnation, that, that when we die, we take our last breath here on earth, we take our first breath in heaven, should give us the greatest peace ever. We should be able to lay down tonight when we go to bed and sleep well, knowing that if we take our last breath and our heart beats for the last time, that we're going to be in the presence of God Almighty. That's just, I mean, nothing that we've done. We, we just accept the sacrifice. Jesus paid it all. That's the song we sing. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Because that should have been me. He took my place. The love that he has for me was shown on the cross. And all I had to do was accept the sacrifice that he made. That's all you have to do is accept the sacrifice that Jesus has made to be washed in his blood, be dipped in a watery grave, come up out of that watery grave, a new creation in Christ, and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and you're on your way to heaven. Now, if you don't belong to Jesus, you never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, guess what? You are condemned. You still have condemnation. You are still separated from God and you're not going to heaven. And if you don't come through Jesus, you ain't getting in. That's just the bottom line. Because you are separated because of sin and the power of sin still has a hold of you. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you believe that or not. It's still true. God exists. You're still a sinner and you need a Savior. Whether you choose to to reject Christ or accept Christ, that's your decision. Uh, You have that choice to make because God has given us a free will. And we'll talk about that in a a podcast here later on out of this chapter. Um. But let me give you an example that might help you understand what Paul's saying here in Romans chapter 8 at the beginning of the chapter. 
Think about a person who is sitting in jail for crimes that they've committed and a prison guard comes over and he says, you're free to go and he, he unlocks the door and yet instead of leaving, the prisoner just sits there and they continue to go through the routines of prison life. They, you know, When lunch or breakfast or supper is called for, they, they go and they get their food. Maybe they go work out for a little while or they, they, they go outside. I mean, I, I've never been in jail or prison, so I don't really know what goes on in there. I've just you know, seen it in the movies or whatever. And I do know some people have been in prison, you know, and they've told me a little bit about it. But <clears throat> just think about a person who a prison guard has come over to their cell, unlocked it, opened the door, and says, you're free to go, and they just sit there in their prison cell. Why would anybody who has ever been incarcerated just sit there? Why would they choose to do that? Well, the same logic applies to someone who has been set free from the bondage of sin by the sacrifice that Jesus has made on the cross. Because if we've been washed in the blood of Jesus, right, then we have been set free. That's, that's what Paul's been saying here in this letter to the church at Rome. We have been set free by the blood of Jesus. So why do we continue to live in prison, in sin? The, the, the gate is wide open. The cell door is wide open. We have been set free. But yet so many people choose to stay in the prison cell of sin. And here's another thought. Like I said a while ago, I know people who have been in prison. I, I know people who were set free. And they, they literally walked out of the prison. They didn't stay in there. They walked out. They were set free. And they got back into life, but instead of enjoying their freedom, they couldn't handle it. They didn't know how to act. And so what they did was turn around and go do more crimes just so they can go back in. Because to them, it was better inside those bars instead of outside of those bars. They could not handle um, life outside of the bars. It's all, it's all they knew. And so they, they're incarcerated again. They couldn't handle being free. And so they go right back in to bondage. And if you think about that, there's people today who was walking with Jesus. They, they had the freedom that Jesus has provided. They've had the freedom of sin. But instead of living that life of freedom, they chose to go back into a life of sin. And that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be if they don't repent and come back to Jesus. Um, maybe you know somebody that's like that. Maybe you, you're like that yourself. And if that's you, I pray that, that the Holy Spirit will open your eyes and that you would repent of your sin and turn back to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. Because all you have to do is repent and come on back. The Bible says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Jesus died to set us free. Don't live in bondage. You don't have to live a life of sin. You choose to live a life of sin, but you don't have to because there's a better way of living. And that better way of living is in Jesus Christ. Please do not choose a life of sin over the freedom of Christ. So, Paul says in chapter 8, 1 through 4, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. None. 
no condemnation. You've been set free. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So we're basically he's saying we're free from death. Yes, we're all going to die. It's appointed on a man wants to die, and then after this, the judgment. We're still going to die because of sin. But the Holy Spirit has freed us from the power of sin that leads to death. Death takes us. It will take us. We don't have to pay that penalty because of the power of sin. We've been set free by the blood of Jesus, and we get to go to be in heaven with Jesus, with God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 3, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body, in a body like ours, Paul says, that we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. I mean, how amazing are these verses? It's just, it's so powerful. This book of Romans, it's just so rich. It's so, so good, so powerful. I'm so glad that uh, we're studying this book together. But going back to what Paul says in chapter 1, and he talks about how the people rejected God, even though they, they, they don't have an excuse because uh, they should believe in Him because they can see His attributes all throughout creation. His characteristics are everywhere, so they are without excuse. And, and, and the question I ask is, why would anybody want to reject a God that loves them so much? Why would anybody reject a God that was willing to become one of us? He literally put on flesh. He became a man. And he walked on this earth among people because he was human, 100% human. That's why John writes in John 19, I believe it's verse 33, that when the when Jesus was pierced in the side, in his side while he's on the cross, he says, out forth came blood and water. In other words, Jesus was 100% human. He was God in the flesh. And not only was he was he walked on this earth for 33 and a half years and he lived as one of us but he was also tempted in every way that we were tempted and never one time sinned and he was able because he was he never sinned he was able to become our sacrifice for our sin he satisfied the wrath of god on our behalf that's the kind of love that god has for us and he allowed himself to be beaten beyond recognition, Isaiah 52 says. You wouldn't even recognize that Jesus was a man. And then he was nailed to a cross, and he hung on that cross on public display for six hours, struggling to breathe until he gave up his spirit. And he died on the cross. And then he was buried for three days. And then on the third day, he comes out alive, conquering death and the grave. Not only... For those who will accept him and live for him. But Jesus also died for those who would reject him. That's the kind of love that God has for us. It's a love like no other. It's called agape love. It's an unconditional love. God does not have any conditions when it comes to his love for us. He's already set the example. He loved us enough that before he created anything 
He knew man was going to fall. We'll talk more about this in just a second. But he knew man was going to blow it. And he made a way for us to be redeemed, to be brought or bought back, to have a relationship with him again. And that plan was to put on flesh, live among men, and give his life as a ransom and be brutally murdered, brutally murdered and go through so much pain and torment and take his last breath and then be buried and come out of that tomb alive giving us access to the throne of God through the sacrifice that he made through Jesus on the cross. It's an unconditional love. And that love is available to anybody and everybody. And we'll talk more about that in another podcast as well. But God loves us, and he has made a way that our sins can be forgiven and that we can be redeemed and yet, even though that prison door sits wide open, it's open. It's, it's, we're in this prison called sin. The prison guard has come over and unlocked the lock and he has opened the door to our prison cell. And yet, way too many people continue to just sit there in their prison cell in their sin and their muck and their mire and their garbage when Jesus has set us free. Why? Why? Why do people choose to live in the bondage of sin? It makes no sense to me whatsoever. But yet people choose it to live in the power of sin on a daily basis instead of choosing the freedom that Jesus offers and has freely given. Verse 5, Paul says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. And this is the key right here. The question is, who controls our minds? Who controls your mind? Who controls what we think about? Uh, Who controls what we do? The choices that we make on a daily basis, every hour, every minute of the day. If if we could just take... um, a microscope or a, a telescope or whatever, and we can look, uh, if we could just play a reel on a, like at a movie theater of your life or, or my life, what would we see? Who is controlling our thoughts and our actions? Because if we could step back and see the big picture in our lives, we would be able to tell who is controlling our minds. And actually, you can tell by the fruit that we produce. If you think about it, who is controlling your thoughts and your actions? Is it sin? Is it the flesh? Or is it the Holy Spirit? Because Paul says, I I die daily, meaning that every morning that he wakes up, he makes a choice. Today, I am going to die to myself and my fleshly desires, and I'm going to live for Jesus. I, Paul, am literally making that decision. I've put on Christ in baptism. I'm filled with His Holy Spirit. Today, I'm going to live for Jesus. But Paul, he had just talked about, and we read it at the end of chapter 7, this struggle that he has with sin. And so he does not mean someone who follows Jesus and is, is they're being controlled by the Holy Spirit. He, he's not saying they'll never sin again because the bottom line is that's what we do. That's our nature. 
We are sinful people. Romans 3.23, Paul says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Paul says, I am the chief of sinners. And he says, I struggle with sin. And he's the greatest missionary that's ever lived. He's led many people to the Lord. He gave his life for the gospel's sake, telling people about how to be saved in Christ, about the death, burial, and the resurrection. But he says um, that he, too, even struggled with sin. So the key word here is dominate. What dominates our mind? Sin or the freedom in Christ? Flesh or living for Jesus? Sin, the power of sin, or the Holy Spirit? Who dominates your thoughts? Who dominates your choices? That's why John writes in 1 John 1, 8 through 2, chapter 2. He says, if we claim we have no sin... We are only fooling ourselves and not living in truth. So John says, hey, you're going to sin. Even if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to sin. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing him that his word has no place in our hearts. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. He says, I'm writing my letters to you so that you will not sin. But, and this is a good but right here, but if anyone does sin, and we will, because that's what happens when we're living in the flesh and we can't do anything about that. We don't have to live in the power of sin, but we're going to sin. Regardless of being filled with the Spirit or not, we're going to sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. It's kind of like a lawyer pleads your case to the judge. My client is innocent. My client did not do this crime. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's sitting there before the Father. He's saying, yeah, Father, they're a bunch of sinners, but I died in their place and they've accepted my sacrifice. They, they've been buried in baptism and they come out of, out of that water, a new creation in me. And so they are filled with my spirit, Lord, uh, Father. And so since they've accepted my sacrifice, I'm, I'm, I'm pleading their case through me. Forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. They're just a bunch of sinners. And God says, on your behalf, because of the sacrifice you've made on the cross for them, I'm going to forgive them. He, he says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. That's awesome. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. And it's not that we're we're not going to be dominated by sin. Because the Holy Spirit controls our thoughts if we belong to Christ and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to not allow the power of sin to control us. We cannot let sin and the power of sin dominate our lives. We have to wake up, like Paul said, on a daily basis and die to ourselves, die to our flesh, die to our selfish wants and desires and say, today I'm making a choice to cast off the flesh, not live for the power of sin, but to live for Jesus 
and I'm going to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to guide me and I'm going to be obedient to His will. And so Paul goes on to say in verse 5, he says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. So that, that's, that, that's how we know. Where's our mind at? Who dominates our mind? If those are dominated by, if our minds are dominated by sinful nature, then they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So, so who's dominating our minds? Who are we trying to please? Ourselves or God? That's what it boils down to. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life or, and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. I'll read that again. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Always. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. That's why it's so important that we allow God's Holy Spirit to dominate the way we think, our thoughts. Because what dominates our thoughts is what direction we're headed in. It's what we do. It, 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 whatever we're thinking about, we go in that direction. And so we need to allow God's Holy Spirit to dominate our thoughts. And this is what I was trying to say in a previous podcast, that there's, there's this huge difference, huge difference in living a life of sin versus sinning every now and then. Because bottom line is, we're going to sin. We just read that uh, in, from 1 John. Uh, Paul, the greatest missionary that's ever lived, most likely the greatest missionary that's ever lived, he struggled with sin. We are going to sin because we're living in the flesh, and that's what the flesh wants to do. It's our nature to sin. But here's the thing. Sin does not have to dominate our lives because we have been set free by the sacrifice that Jesus has made on the cross, and we've been filled with His Spirit. And that's and, and so what I was saying a while ago, going back to that example, the prison guard, Jesus, I know this sounds kind of corny, but Jesus is that prison guard who has set us free. He came over and unlocked our prison cell door and opened it up and says, hey, you've been forgiven. All you have to do is walk through this door and accept my forgiveness and go live a life of freedom. But yet, too many people choose to reject Christ. They choose to reject the love that God has for them. They choose to reject the leading of the Holy Spirit because they want to live the way they want to live and they want to do what they want to do, which is sin. And the power of sin separates them from God. And so I I just want to just I can't say this enough. Continue. If you are a Christian and you are following Christ, continue, continue, continue to stay in the Word of God and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit that is inside of you. Stay in that Word. And if you're not in the Word on a daily basis, please, by all means, get in the Word. Get a Bible app. Uh, it'll, read, it'll read it to you. Listen to some podcasts with preachers like this one here, the Grounded Podcast, and share it with your friends and your family so that they can hear the Word of God because it is crucial, it is crucial, it is absolutely crucial that we be in the Word of God so that the Holy Spirit 
can speak to our hearts so God can speak to our hearts and he will give us direction on how to live. Because when we're in the word of God and we're being filled with the spirit and we're walking with the spirit and we're walking with Jesus, it doesn't leave a whole lot of room for the, de- the devil to creep in and for temptation to come in. It doesn't mean that it won't happen. It doesn't mean we won't ever sin again because we will. But it does mean it'll be a lot harder for the devil to get in there with those temptations because we'll be, uh, we'll be so filled with the Spirit and we'll be following Christ so closely. We won't want to do it. We, we will say no to those desires. But the further we are away from God and we're not in the Word, it's just a lot easier to, to cave to, to the power. It's very, very powerful. The devil knows what he's doing. He knows how to get to us and he knows what to draw us away from God. He knows how to get our attention off of God and onto that fruit. And unfortunately, when, when that happens, we, do, we like the fruit. We, we like the sin because it's pleasing ourselves. And just remember that that sin leads to death. It leads to separation. And if, if you are outside of Christ, if you've never known Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you once known Jesus and you've backslidden to the point that he's off the radar, you will never have the peace of God. You will never have true peace. And you cannot please God. I want to finish today's podcast by reading Romans chapter 1, the first 17 verses without any commentary. So there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to the sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that he so that the just requirements of the law will be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature and think about sinful things But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you're not controlled by the the sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right in the sight of God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by His same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by, by its dictates, you will die. But if you, through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received the Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit who, when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And so we, since we are his children, we are his heirs. And in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are, heir, but, but if we are to share God's glory, 
we must also share his suffering. Who controls your mind? Because whoever's controlling your mind, your flesh, or the Holy Spirit, that's the path and the choices that you're going uh, to make. Make godly choices. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and to lead you, which means you got to be in the Word. It's crucial to be in the Word, especially in our day and time. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. We'll pick up part two, the second part of Romans chapter eight in this podcast. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grinded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegrindedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, Leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you, and remember, keep grinding.